0: In Revelation's chapter 2 verses 2 through 4 it says I know your works your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and are not and found them to be false I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first you know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus addresses the seven churches of Asia. And this is one that always stood out to me. Because you start off and you're like, I know your works, your toil, and your patience. Can you imagine this church reading this? They're like, yeah, yeah. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. Yeah, that's us. You have tested those who call themselves apostles or not and found them to be false. Yep, God, that's us. Jesus, you're just, you're just hitting the nail on the head. We're looking good. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name. Say, yeah, yeah, that's us. And you have not grown weird. That's us. But I have this against you. Because oh. it looked like everything was going right with this church, right? They're doing the right thing. Because I have, I have this against you that you have abandoned your first love. And this is actually him addressing the church in Ephesus. <clears throat> first, it looks like everything's going great. But as you keep reading, you finally realize that there's more to it than the stuff that we do. You know, we can do all kinds of great things. We can have all kinds of great programs and we can help all kinds of people. But if Jesus is not first in our lives, then it's all for nothing. It's just like the people before we got saved. The Bible says that all your, your good works are like filthy rags. They don't mean anything when Jesus isn't the focus. They, they have no value. And they're doing some good things. It says you've been patient. You've endured. You're not standing You're not not letting those who are evil have their way. You're standing against them. And he commends them for not growing weary. And that's an awesome commendation to be truthful because it is so easy to grow weary. There's a reason why I don't read the news hardly ever because it just makes me weary. It makes me tired. It makes me want to give up so many times because you don't hear about the good stuff happening. You only hear about the bad stuff happening. And to be honest with you, what a lot of the world thinks is good stuff is not what I consider good stuff. You know, a lot of breakthroughs, a lot of, a lot of stuff that they're championing and a stuff that just breaks my heart. Because, and it's so easy to grow weary of the stuff that's going on. It's so easy to want to give up. But there is this huge problem they have, and it says they abandoned the love that they had at first. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. The NIV says it this way, you have forsaken your first love, and the, the Amplified Bible, which is just like the regular Bible, just louder, says <laughs> you have left or abandoned the love that you have had at first, which means you have deserted me, your first love. See, they had gotten caught up in religion. They had gotten caught up of going through the motions. They had gotten caught up in just, I mean, they were doing all the right things on paper. Looks like they were doing great, but they had lost that first love. I wonder if they no longer got together and actually prayed for wisdom and guidance before they did stuff. This has always worked. It's always what we've done. You know, outside looking in, looks like we're showing compassion and kindness and patience and all these things. But the truth was, God wasn't really in anything that they were doing. It is so easy to get caught up and go through the motions. I know I've done it so many times in my life. That's probably one of the worst cycles that I go through is I'll press into God and things will be going great. But as life goes on, all of a sudden you realize that you're just doing the things that you're supposed to do. Going to church on Sunday because that's just what I do. Getting up and praying, not because I'm really trying to have a relationship with God, but because it's just what I do. I read the Bible because it's Just what I do. And all of a sudden I realize that I've been reading the Bible for weeks and I've actually not even heard
1: heard from God and I haven't spoken to Him either. Just going through the motions. It's so easy to fall away and get distracted. But that's the thing. One of the greatest ways to keep that
0: relationship going, one of the greatest ways to keep pressing in is to spend that time with God, praying to Him, speaking to Him. And God will speak to you as well. Sometimes you'll hear Him in that still, small voice. Sometimes you'll see Him in the Word. Sometimes He'll speak to you through other people. But God will speak to you if you will speak to Him because He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to forget your first love. He doesn't want you to fall away, but to stay pressed in close to Him. There was a story of a father and a a young daughter, and they were great friends. And every day they would spend time together. They would go on walks together. They would, they would watch the TV together. They would do everything together, spend time together. And about uh, three months out before his birthday, the father noticed that when he would ask her to go for a walk, she would excuse herself. And when he would ask her to do things, but she would always excuse herself. And it was breaking the father's heart because he couldn't spend the time with her that he had been spending. And about three months later, his birthday came, and she presented him a gift, homemade, handmade slippers. And they were beautiful. They were exquisite. And he finally realized why she had been so distant the last time. She was taking all that time to prepare this wonderful gift for him. But he said, daughter, I want you to know something. Next time, just go ahead and buy the slippers and give me the day. I would much rather have time with you than to have this this gift the time with you is more precious. And God is just like that. He doesn't want us to be focused solely on the stuff, doing the things. He wants us to spend time with Him.
1: He wants us to be in His presence, communicating with you. He wants us. He wants you. Not just what you do. You know, Jesus gave a very similar message to
0: to his disciples as well. In Matthew seven twenty one through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness.
1: You know, it's totally possible to be doing all the right things but not actually have a relationship with Jesus. It's possible to look good on paper, but not actually have the goods. We need to make sure that we're,
0: we're we're tending that relationship with Jesus and spending time with him. I don't want to be like this church. I want my relationship strong. I don't ever want to forget my first love because the truth is, without him, it's all for nothing anyway. Amen? In 1 Chronicles 16.11, it says to seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Just in case you guys were confused, this is a command. It's not just a good idea. This is a command. Seek the Lord in his strength and seek his presence continually. We're commanded as Christians to seek the Lord. And we find the 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 very same encouragement to do so in the New Testament and the Old Testament. And the the reality is is that it's not a chore. We derive great benefit from seeking God. And that's because the truth is Christianity is not a religion. It's not a a set of rules or regulations. Christianity is a relationship with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ.
1: If you've never spent any time, if you never spent any time with your wife or your husband, That would make a pretty miserable relationship, I guess, depending on your wife or husband. But if you you got a good one, and I know all you do in this room do, you'd have a
0: miserable relationship if you weren't spending time with your spouse. Matter of fact, it wouldn't be a relationship at all. And the same is true with Jesus. If you don't spend any time with Him, how can you have a relationship with Him? And that's why we're commanded to seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Like the song we sang today, it says uh, uh, we want the presence of the Lord just like it is in heaven. We want to be with Him. And the great thing is is that the, the Bible says there were two or three are gathered. There He is in their midst. God is tangibly with us. David wrote this verse, and you can also find this song he wrote in Psalm 105. He sings, seek the Lord in a strength. When we spend time with God, we are strengthened. Psalm 118, 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Other translations say that he is my strength and my shield. So when we seek God, we find that we are strengthened in him. We find that we're able to resist things that we weren't able to resist. We're able to cope with things that we weren't able to cope with before. I know when I see people going through the pain of a lost loved one. I had my father die. He was in his mid-50s when he passed away. He had pancreatic cancer. And uh, I was heartbroken. And so was my sister, but she was different. She was heartbroken in a different way. And my, my sister's relationship with the Lord is is up and down, but she was very angry at God and it definitely was not strong and she was going through it without him because she didn't want anything to do with God because her dad, she felt like was being taken away by God, which was really just a a misdirection of what was actually happening. The enemy was stealing my father with the cancer that was going on in his body. But the one thing was, is, is I was a whole lot less distraught than she was because I had God by my side. There was the promise that I would see him again one day. And I remember as I was going through this, even with God, it was hard. But thank God that, that we don't mourn like the rest of the, the world mourns because we have a greater hope. We have a promise that we'll see him again one day. And, and, but I remember thinking to myself, how, how can people go through this if they don't have God? How can they go through this if they don't have his strength and his support beside them? And I, I completely don't understand how it's even possible. Because the reality is is when you seek his presence, he becomes your strength, he becomes your shield, he gets you through stuff in ways that you, get you through things you couldn't even imagine you could ever get through. He can get you through heartbreak. And when people have broken your trust and lashed out against you and hurt you, and deaths, relationship struggles, he can get you through anything if you rely on his strength. And we can seek the Lord in so many different ways. We can pray, we can sing to him, we can read and meditate on his word. And I I honestly, I don't think the way you do it is all that important as long as you're actually doing. Not going through the motions, but seeking his faith, seeking the one who loves you with everything that he has, who gave everything for you. And like I said earlier, I, I know I found myself forcing myself to do
1: and it was just going through the motions. Now, I want to be careful because there is a difference between discipline.
0: You do need to discipline yourself to do things. You just need to make sure that your heart's in the right place when you're doing it. And I'm not saying if your heart's not in the right place, stop praying or reading your word. What I'm saying is get your heart in the right place and continue praying and reading the word, right? Press into him. There's not an excuse to stop doing those things but evaluate what's going on as well are you really pressing in or is it just are
1: you just hitting your spiritual checklist i did these things today i don't want to just go through the motions i know
0: that when we earnestly see god and we keep our eyes on him if we're going to receive such a great benefit
1: and the truth is, is he hears our prayers and he answers them acts Chapter 1,
0: 13 through 14 says when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, Judas the son of James. All these were with one accord and were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Joseph
1: and his brother. You guys know what uh, kind of car the, the disciples drove? It was a Honda Accord, because they were all
0: these with one accord were devoting themselves
1: to prayer. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are.
0: <laughs> the thing was though, this was the early church, right? They're getting together. They were remembering their first love. It says that that they were getting together, devoting themselves to prayer. They were remembering their first love. This is actually just after Jesus had ascended. But they weren't about to let that be the last time that they spoke with them. And they devoted themselves to prayer, speaking to God, speaking to his son. And they were always praying. praying. Actually, the, the Aeneas, uh B Bible says uh, with one accord, or it says that they were continually with one accord devoting themselves to prayer. This was a, an always thing. We don't just pray, pray once and it's done. The Bible says that we should actually be uh, continually praying or in an, an attitude of continual prayer. And I recognize that the mechanics of that seems impossible because if you were always praying, then how could you talk? How could you work? How could you do anything else? But the truth is, is, if we keep ourselves in a continual attitude of prayer, that means that when something good happens at work, is your response, thank God? Or do you even think about God? Are you in that attitude of speaking to Him no matter what the situation? And you'll also notice that everyone was devoted to prayer. It doesn't say that, that James and Andrew were devoted to prayer while the other ones came out and went and did their thing. James and Andrew, they were devoted to prayer, and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, they, they did all the work, and, and uh, James and, and Simon, they just came on Sundays. It doesn't say that. It says they were continually devoted to prayer. They were all invested in, and involved. If you ever wonder to yourself, well, is it just the leaders in the church? Is it just the pastor that's supposed to be praying? Is it just the leaders or the pastor that are supposed to be sharing the gospel? It's not. It's all of us. We are all saved so that we could share that message with somebody else. We're all to go out in the world. We're all to spend time with Christ. The truth is, is that every
1: single one of us are priests. That's what the Bible says.
0: And then he says that they were with one accord, which means that they were with one mind. That means that they were in agreement. That means that they didn't just go off to their own separate corners and pray. They came together and prayed as well. And church, we have to do that. We have to come together, take advantage of the opportunities that we have and meet with us so we can pray together. Amen? Matthew eighteen nineteen through 20 says again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. How do you know that that is
1: kind of an awesome promise? we two come together and agree on a thing, he will do it as if we ask. Now there are other
0: scriptures that say we need to ask according to his will, so you know, probably chances are if, if we uh we we ask God to to hurt somebody or harm somebody, you know, have our enemies be run over by a bus, God's not going to answer that one, no matter how many of us agree that it's a good idea. But if when we ask according to his will and a the, the power of the, of the people coming together and agreeing with one another is amazing. When we come together, when we stand in agreement, the response is powerful. And I like some little things that I'll notice sometimes in Scripture. Did you notice that this phrase actually says, again I say to you? That means that he wanted them to get it to their thick skulls that, yeah, I'm saying this to you. This isn't something that was a one-off thing that they, oh, yeah, let's write that down so we don't forget. This was something that he taught them continually, that if you two come together and pray, then the result is powerful. And this is not about browbeating God into listening to us. It's not like, it's, it's not like a, the petitions that we have now. If we can just get enough signatures, then Congress has got to listen. It doesn't, you know, God's not listening based on the number of petitions that you have with you in the room. He's actually looking at our faith and our obedience. Our obedience says to come together and ask for a thing. And our faith is we come and we believe that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do.
1: It's not about the number of people. It's actually why very rarely if somebody sends me one of those silly prayer things on Facebook.
0: Matter of fact, just so everybody knows, the fastest way to have your little prayer chain end is to send it on Facebook saying, send this to at least 1,000 people and you'll have your wish today. But I think of that. But the truth is is that uh, when people do ask me to pray on Facebook or someone's asking for prayer, you almost always, even if you send me a text or anything, you almost never hear me say I'm praying, I'll say I'm standing with you. Because I want you to know it's not just about me praying by myself, I'm standing in agreement with you because we're too agree on anything on earth than it is. I'll say I'm standing with you in agreement, and I don't want you to be confused. This doesn't mean your individual prayers are not heard. The, the The truth is, the the prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That's what the scripture says. But there is power in corporate prayer, and I think particularly as a church, we need to make sure, make that our focus. Amen. Luke twenty one thirty four through thirty six says. But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Just in case you guys were thinking that the pray at all times or pray continually were just one-offs and maybe you misunderstood it, you're going to notice that you're going to see it all the time. Stay awake at all times praying. Continually be in prayer. We're constantly told to be in a continual state of prayer, communication with God.
1: And I don't know about you guys, but I need strength. The Bible says praying that you may have strength to escape
0: all these things that are going to take place. We're seeing some of those things take place right now. You're going to need strength to get through what is is coming. The signs of the times are definitely upon us. And it's affecting the world equally. So as Christians, we need to be alert and pray. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back tomorrow or he's coming back 100 years or a 1,000. I don't really know. The only thing I can be certain of is if someone says they do know, you can be certain that's not when it's happening. Because the Bible says he's coming back like a thief in the night. No one knows the day or the hour. So if somebody says they know the day or the hour, you can just add that to your list and it won't be that day or hour. we need to make sure that we're ready and not caught off guard. It says, watch, lest yourselves or hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day comes upon us suddenly. So instead of being weighed down by the way of the world, instead be awake, alert, watching
1: and praying at all times. Amen? Then Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, Some
0: background on this. I'm going to read the previous verses too, and this is uh, 10 through 17. So it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and be praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and with all supplication. And it goes on with the prayer, making supplication for the saints. Supplication for the saints is really just praying for them, asking for them. That means praying
1: for the people around you. The reality is is that we are at war. Not against people, but against
0: powers and principalities. Against an enemy who wants to destroy every single living person on this earth. He wants them to die the final death and not have the eternal life. We are at war, Christians, and we're trying to save people all around us. Praying is one of the ways that we take care of each other. It's one of the ways that we have each other's backs. You guys know where the 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 phrase "having each other back, each other's backs" comes from? It's the little fact in war, particularly and and Roman times and stuff like that, where you needed someone to watch it because you didn't have eyes on the back of your head. So they would stand back to back, covering each other's backs. That's one of the ways we can do that as Christians is begin to pray for people. You know, somebody is is struggling in an area, pray for them. If you know that someone is, is going through a hardship, pray for them. If you know that things are going great in somebody's life, pray for them. We should be praying for each other at all times, lifting one another up. So many people think about man praying for a half hour or an hour that seems like so long to pray, what would I even pray for for that long? Well, instead of saying, "God bless everyone," start saying. Father, bless Jan, and begin to pray for her individually, and then for Cliff individually, and then for Alan individually. Begin to pray for people individually, making a point, having focused prayer, and prayer with a purpose. You'll find that when you begin to pray for people individually, that you begin to pray a little bit longer because you didn't go, God, bless the whole world, and call it a day. The sentiment is nice, but the reality is your prayer needs to be focused. We need to pray for one another so that we can persevere together. Also says praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is important as well because you're going to be praying with the utterance the Holy Spirit gives you. In case anybody's uh, confused or doesn't understand what praying in the Spirit means, he's talking about praying in tongues. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues because the Scripture says the Spirit will give you utterance and will pray for things that we didn't even know we needed to pray for. The truth is that the Bible says that we don't know how to pray as we ought, so we do the best we can with our own, with our own tongue, but then we let the Spirit intercede and take over, and by faith, we pray in the Spirit. And we're going to pray for... I, I truly believe that we're going to get to heaven and find out that we actually made an impact in people's lives when we were praying in time. We didn't know what we were praying for, but it made a huge
1: difference in somebody's life. And the next... Paul then finally begins to ask for specific prayer. He says, Also for me,
0: the words may be given to me for opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the
1: gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's asking to be effective. I always find it interesting that Paul never asked to be free from these chains. He
0: just asked for doors to be open. He asked for, for the ability to communicate the gospel clearly basically, Lord, get me out of the way so that, I, that, that people hear the message without me messing it up, so that they are touched and they hear you. You know, the reality is, is that both individually and as the church, we need to be effective. We need to be clear in our message. We need to be able to share the gospel with boldness, with effectiveness, and we need to make sure that nothing that we are doing is going to get in the way of somebody receiving
1: the message of Christ. And we're going to need prayer to do that. We're going to need people involved to do that. In Colossians 4, 2-4, through it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being
0: watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the world to declare the mystery of Christ, On account of which I am in prison, that
1: I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul always encouraged all the churches that he wrote to to prayer.
0: That was never something that was forgotten. He always asked them to pray. And here he says to devote yourself to it, to continue steadfastly in prayer. It's another one of those, always continue steadfast. We need to be doing it all the time and be watchful in it with thanksgiving. We also need to make sure that we're thanking God for what he's done as well. One of the things this morning is I, I spent a little bit of time uh, just thanking God for what he's done because one of the things that's really easy to get caught up in is, is just asking, asking, asking. And typically when we come together and pray, we, we pray that as a church we will continue to grow, that God would send people to be a part of what we're doing here, to co-labor alongside with us, to, to, to increase our sphere of influence so that we have the resources we need to make a difference. But it's sometimes easy to forget how far we've come. You know, when we first started in my house five years ago, almost five years ago, um, there were seven of us. So obviously we've grown. We have more resources because we're in a building and we've got to pay the rent, so that means more resources. And the truth is we've grown. We've had a greater impact. And I just began to remind myself to thank God for what he's already accomplished. We ask for stuff because we need them, but then we, we thank him. And for every single one of you in this room, specifically by name,
1: quite often, Because you're a blessing to me. But Paul once again is praying for that effectiveness to reach the lost. Paul, I think most of us would agree that Paul was the greatest apostle. He wrote two-thirds of the,
0: and this is a a humanly uh, measurement, I'm aware, but he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's the one that we receive most of our teaching from. The reality is, as far as spreading the kingdom, he probably had the greatest influence where the original 12 apostles or 11 plus 1 kind of stuck around Jerusalem and they kind of had to be chased out. Paul was out sharing the gospel. He made a huge impact. Probably the mightiest of all the apostles. Yet he asked for prayer to be
1: effective. If Paul needed prayer, how many know that we need prayer? We need prayer in our life. We need to be praying for one another.
0: And he also prayed for people to be saved. Romans 10, 10 1, he says, brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. And then probably one of the most selfless prayers that anyone's ever prayed in Romans 9, three, he says, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the foot. That was the attitude that Paul had. That he was willing to, give up his own salvation for those around him. I sit back and I think about, I don't know if you guys ever read the Bible and think about how you would have done things, how you would have handled it, and stuff like that just like shines the light on my inadequacies because I'm not sure I'd
1: make that decision. That's not a, a light decision. That, that's an eternal decision if he could do it. But the reality is, is that decision has to be made by each and every one of us. It's not something that can be made for us. But Paul prayed for people to get saved. That was his heart's desire that they would be touched. To pray
0: for me to be effective and pray that people's lives would be changed. You know, if we want to make an impact, if we want to be effective in the city of Morana, if we want to make a difference, we are
1: going to have to start praying. We're going to have to come together and pray. We're going to have to pray. Individually, and our prayers have to be purposeful and
0: focused, because, like I said, you know covering your bases, hitting your spiritual check mark
1: right before you go to bed, say, "Lord, please bless morana it's not going to cut it. We're going to have to be focused and specific, and God will be faithful to us and we'll go ahead and end here in James four two through three it says you
0: desire and do not have so you murder." You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly
1: to spend it on your passions. Prayer is the avenue which we make our requests known to God.
0: And we, we ask in faith knowing that he hears us, and we ask with confidence knowing that if he hears us that he will answer what the, and give what we have asked for.
1: But there are so many times that we lack because one, we don't want to bother God or two, we can't be bothered to bother God. Sometimes we get
0: concerned because there's so many times when we've asked for people and prayer is always open after the service and we say, hey, we're going to have people praying for you and people won't come up because they think that what they have is too minor to bother God, God, cares about you with all that he has would you ever turn your kid away if they came up to you because they they had a splinter or they had a headache why do you think god would do anything different than you you don't have to have cancer to ask god for healing you can have a headache and god will be faithful even still we often lack because we don't want to bother god because somehow we've decided that if if he answers our prayer then maybe it's going to take away from somebody else's bigger requests. But I just want you guys to know that God's riches are not based on what He gives to us. He has more than enough
1: for everybody. You're not going to exhaust His love. We can't dry out God's resources, and we have to get over the other one too. The we can't be bothered to bother God, because
0: that's the that's probably the one most of us get caught up in. Is, is we get busy, we're at work, where we have the kids, we have extracurricular activities, and we get so busy that the easiest to put on the back burner is God. And I don't know why this is, because I think all of us internally agree that God is the priority, that he is number one, and that he needs to be the preeminence in our life. But I think it's because we can't see him physically that it's easy to push him off to the side. And the problem is, is we don't ever bring him back into the picture because we're like, oh, I didn't pray this morning, it didn't seem like anything was that bad, but then you don't pray for months and the next thing you know your world's falling apart around you because you know what, it actually did make
1: a difference. But something else came up, something else was too important. We stayed up too late to get up early to pray. We went to bed too early instead of spending that time to pray. We don't come to church, we don't come to the because there's always something else. And I, I, I don't want this to sound like I'm beating you guys up. I've been there,
0: feel there from time to time, and I have to catch myself in it. You know, the I've said it before, but most of the time when you have a pastor come up and minister on something and try to re course correct and stuff like that, it's, it's because God's speaking to us, and I don't want to hear it all by myself, so
1: you're getting some too. Because <laughs> I can't be the only one. Praise God. <laughs> I do know this, is that when we talk to God according to his will, he'll answer.
0: How do we know what's according to his will? There's a simple test. Super, super easy. Is it in alignment with the word of God, or is it not? If you're praying for your, your neighbor's wife to become yours, not in accordance with God's will. Whole adultery thing, you know, it's sin. But if you're praying for your neighbor to receive Jesus, that is according to his will. And you can tell by looking at his word. If it aligns with the word of God, then it is his will. It is his will. And I want to tell you, if you'll spend more time in the word of God, reading his word and praying with him, you'll find that your mind becomes aligned with his and you stop having to ask that
1: question because you'll be thinking like him and whatever you ask will be according to his will. You see, that's the thing is, one of the things that we pray for so often is resources.
0: You know, God, give me a better job. Give me more money. And even that, is that according to his will? In many ways, yeah. But I guess it depends on why you're asking. Are you asking so that you can have a bigger boat and a bigger house and and, and it's being all about you? Are you asking so that, one, yeah, it's okay to have those things, to, to,
1: to not be in poverty. But are you asking so that you can make a greater impact on the kingdom of heaven? I thank God that he's so
0: faithful that every time uh, things move in my life, I'm able to give even more. I'm able to be a blessing to even more people. And God just keeps blessing me more and more. But it's not because I want to have a nicer car or a bigger house or, or a, an
1: awesome boat, but it's because I want to be a blessing. And he, he's so faithful. And people wonder, if God knows what I need, why doesn't he just give it to me? Because God does know what you need. I don't think prayer is so much about God as it is about us. God knows what you need. We don't have to ask him, but he wants us to be obedient and to have faith in him. God is waiting for us to demonstrate trust by asking him for these things that we need. Now, me personally, I want to be a person that recognizes the good of godly prayer. I want to be a person that
0: recognizes that and and practices it in my life on a regular basis, not to hit my spiritual checklist, but because I want to press into him and become closer to him. And I would challenge you guys all to do the same. But I also want this church to be a church that does the same as well. And the reality is, is that I'm not the church. We're the church. In order for the church to be effective at something, we all have to be doing it together. So I would encourage you get up a little bit early on Sunday morning. Come back at 6 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. Let's spend time praying together and just start somewhere. You don't have an hour on Sunday afternoon. Show up for 15 minutes.
1: Start there. No one's going to turn around and point fingers at you if you have to head out a little bit early. But let's get together. Let's, let's, Let's just be crazy enough to believe what his word says. Let's be crazy
0: enough to believe that when we ask him for something, he's going to do it. And let's see this church make an impact in Marana in one year, this year, 2018, make a greater impact than we have in the past four. Because I believe that if we'll come together, if we'll make prayer a focus, asking God to make us
1: effective, we will be effective, and we'll see a difference happen in this city. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our heads.